Good evening, everybody, and welcome to ClickBang. This is a follow-up show. A month ago, I did a show titled, uh, you can find it in the ClickBang archives, it's called Proof That Boutique Wire Is Bullshit. And I had, uh, someone had contacted me, Jeremy uh, Medlock had contacted me, and he had um, this $40,000 tester, and he said he had tested all these, you know, boutique wires and had found that they're really the same as things that you could buy for, you know, I, I forgot we did the math, like a 60th or, the, or a 70th of the price, just, you know, like stuff that's already readily available and is just being repackaged with, a, you know, a sticker and a little bag and, you know, you pay through the nose for it. So, you know, that's kind of, that was my bias going into it. That's what I always thought. And I'm like, well, hey, this guy's got a, a fancy probe and he's able to, you know, test all this stuff and uh, publish some data and a friend of his did also. So I said, yeah, hey, come on, I'm all for informing vapors if there is a way they can save money. And uh, if they're not interested, at least they're informed. That's all I care about. So that show went well. It was well-received. And then I got contacted by Ari, who will be joining me tonight. And he disputed uh, some of the things that Jeremy was saying. And he wanted a chance to come on the show to uh, state his case, which I always allow for. So that's what will be happening tonight. Unfortunately, it took a month to happen due to some scheduling problems, but we're on schedule for tonight. Jeremy and Ari will be my guests. They will both state their claims. Uh, I will simply moderate from a neutral position as best I can and uh, let them get their sides of the story out, and that'll be that. Uh, I don't know how long this is going to last, so I do have some other topics in the bag in case this is short. I don't think it will be, so I've got a full roster of, uh, of topics for next week either way. So, all right, let's get it started. First things first, I'm going to get an audio check from both of my guests. First, we will start with Ari. Ari, can you hear me okay? Uh, yeah, I can hear you just fine. Okay, you sound good too. And Jeremy, are you there, sir? Uh, here I am. Okay. Um, I guess, first of all, uh, Ari, since this is your first time on the show, if you could just introduce yourself. Who are you? Uh, what do you do in, in vaping? And uh, yeah, tell people your story. Uh, sure, sure. My name's Ari. I'm uh, owner of Sweet Spot Vapors. Uh, we're a e-liquid and uh, wire manufacturer. Uh, we've been in the business for about four or five years. Uh, essentially, that, that's all there is to it. Uh, I, I mean, I have an engineering background, but um, you know, I don't know that that's 100% applicable to vaping. It's an electronics engineering background, but uh, you know, certainly that's helpful. And I have some physics background, so uh, I, I know a pretty good deal about this kind of stuff and related topics. Okay, and uh, Jeremy, um, I gotta do one thing here. I just there's a lot of background noise. I just gotta figure out. Where, okay, and that's vaping yeah, right that's into fine. the. I hear, boom. Yeah, I hear somebody vaping in the background. Yeah. Um, if you vape, just vape away from the telephone receiver if you could. Let me see here. Okay, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the, I think the noise is coming from your line, Ari, because. I just muted you, and you're not on speakerphone or anything, are you? Uh, negative. Okay, we'll make do. 
Um, okay, Jeremy, welcome back to the show. Uh, could you please introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Jeremy Medlock. I'm a uh, certified non-destructive testing inspector. Um, I work for one of the major, major players in the inspection game in the world. Um, we just got surpassed by one company that merged with another, but uh, we're, we're still very well right on top of the inspection game. Um, I'm certified in magnetic particle testing, uh, phased array. Um, I have liquid penetrant inspections, ultrasonic, uh, positive material identification, which is the technique that I use to identify and, uh, you know, basically give the chemical breakdown of these wires. Okay, now what I'm going to do is in the chat, I, and in, for those of you, for, uh, for those of you listening on replay, that'll be in the replay notes, I have um, Jeremy's testing results, which were previously shared. I'll share those again right now, as well as uh, Ari's counter to that. Now, Jeremy, just briefly, since uh, some of the people, but not all the people are probably familiar with what you did, can you just give a very brief overview of the testing that you did and what you found? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the technology that I use is called uh, positive material identification. It uses X-ray fluorescence. Now, every single element on the periodic table, um, they all fluoresce at different levels of light and the frequencies of light that are uh, that are used when you bombard a material with. Um, thanks. Oh, thanks, sir. When you bombard a element with X-rays, the materials, uh, the elements that are there, they all fluoresce at different frequencies. The scanner picks up those emissions of light frequencies and translate them into percentages of the different elements that are contained within the material. The longer that you direct x-ray radiation uh, at the material, the better the response, the more defined the result is. Uh, this technology has been around for uh, 10, 15, 20 years now. Um, it's been used all over the world. Um, you know, they use it in customs when toys come through that, you know, that are from China that might have, you know, lead paint in them or, you know, uh, certain elements that are not safe for uh, human exposure. What we use the technology for is mainly to identify the chemical composition of weld metal. Um, we want to make sure that the welds that are performed on these pipes are meeting you know, ASTM and ASME codes. Uh, the code specifications that I work primarily with are uh, section B311 and B313. Um, I'm also certified in D11. Um, since we started this discussion, I've gotten uh, a little bit of exposure to F67. Um, you know, the, the wire that I that I tested, uh, a gentleman while I was in Denver doing all this testing, a gentleman ordered uh, a little package of uh, Ari's titanium wire. He sent it in. Um, I didn't get a chance to save the screen grabs of the testing for that, but I will say that his wire came back as 99.567-ish percent titanium, pure titanium. Um, that is a grade one medical uh, titanium that is suitable for implantation into the human body. 
Uh, if, if I can just interject, um, there's, there's quite a few uh, misleading and false statements there. Uh, number one, uh, an EDXRF tool cannot reliably read atomic numbers below 18, and obviously uh, the, the way you grade titanium is, at least the primary way you grade titanium is on the basis of uh, interstitial components, and uh, the primary interstitial component that is used to grade titanium is hydrogen which is an atomic number of one, and there is no X-ray fluorescence uh, on Earth that can read hydrogen. So that's false. You cannot read every element on the periodic table with X-ray fluorescence. That is completely false. You should know that. Uh, number two, uh, no, no sample was ever sent to him, not by our company. In fact, a friend of mine, Ryan, wanted to send him a sample and uh, pay for it, and I canceled the order because I, I don't feel like sending a sample out to someone who's doing irresponsible testing and reporting. So I'm curious See, where you got the sample of our wire. Uh, you certainly didn't order it from us. No, I didn't. Um, the gentleman in question that sent me the spool. Uh, let me go back through. Let me go back through my messages real quick while we're discussing this. Well, um, and while you're doing that, do you? Do you agree or, I mean, um, Ari said that your testing equipment can't measure certain um, elements. Is, do you agree with that? Um, I, I agree to a certain degree. The interstitial components that are included in the wire are known as lesser included composition. They, they are least, the basis of how seen. commercially pure titanium is graded, though. I, I would think that someone adept in, in material science would, would know that. That's the very basics of commercially pure titanium grading. Well, what I can tell you is that the, the, the tool does read back as 99.5, you know, and a couple of other, yeah. you know, hundreds and thousands. That's correct, as, as it should, but, I mean, obviously – you know, you should know that commercially pure titanium is not graded on the basis of uh, of what you're testing for. It's graded on the basis of its interstitial properties and interstitial components, the primary one being hydrogen, maybe the secondary being silicon, silicon distribution. I mean, th these are very well-established facts. Commercially pure titanium industry has been around for over 50 years. I mean, it's it's undergone government scrutiny. It's a strategic metal. These things are very, very well-documented. The... The point that I had was that I can find other wires that are online that I can find by the spool that are uh, F67 compliant, uh, many, many other ASTM and ASME standards that, you know, B265 uh, grade one. Um, STM F67, uh, UNS R5250. Um, yeah, these 50 are all graded. Is basically a, a quote-unquote GR1 titanium, but the problem is GR1, GR2, GR3, GR4, th these are all kind of blanket gradations for titanium, just like 316 stainless is a blanket gradation for stainless steel. Uh -huh. For example, within 316 stainless steel, you have authentic varieties. You have hundreds of available varieties. So within commercially pure grade one titanium, you also have hundreds of available varieties. Saying, saying grade one titanium is kind of a, a – a lot of people are using this for marketing, and I don't exactly agree with it, but it's not wholly misleading. Uh, saying GR1 medical grade or surgical grade doesn't really mean anything. That's kind of like saying 316 stainless steel. It doesn't really mean anything. What means something is, you know, what are the interstitial components? What are the tensile strengths? What's the elongation? What's the yield strength? 
uh, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, obviously, there's critical and core components that, that, are, that are important, and certainly EDXRF can read that, but it, it's just it's not an applicable methodology for testing for commercially pure titanium. It's not ISO 5832 testing. No, it is not. But, however, we're involved not in aerospace and not in, you know, medical implantation. Uh, no, I, this, this I, I is get not, that. This, this is not something that requires rocket science. It is a wire. And, yes, I'm not going to disagree with you. Your wire is pure. The wire that I got hold of that this gentleman sent me, and I'm still looking back through my, through my messages looking for the conversation that we had. What did, what did you say his name was? Ryan. Ryan. Yeah, uh, but, I don't know the, if you want, just want to get out the is, last name. But. The term pure is also a misleading term. See, we have to use the correct terminology here. CP is the correct term. It's commercially pure. Commercially yes, pure titanium is not pure titanium. It relies on certain interstitial components and buffers to create tensile yield elongation properties, which are very critical in certifying that metal. Now, ASTM's F67, GR1, GR2, all of these ratings simply imply a maximum allowable interstitial component content. They don't fully grade a wire. You can't, you can't wave a magic wand over a piece of wire, an EDXRF, and say this is the totality of how this wire performs. That, that's the very, very basics of, of titanium grading. I mean, this is, this is not subjective or esoteric information. This is many, many decades of well-researched information. This is not arguable. It's not an arguable point. Um, the arguable point that I will make with you is that I can find other wires that are almost identical to the composition of the wire that you have. And identical of in what sense? Identical in that they conform to the same ASME standards that your wire does. What, what, um, what ASME standards? We're talking about ASTM. Well, it well ASME being the Society of Mechanical Engineers. You understand what I'm saying, though. The ASME, the ASTM F67 standards for unalloyed titanium for surgical implantation. This is this is well documented. It is. They're simply uh, However, however, you're using it as a heating element to vaporize a liquid into a steamy substance. That's correct. In which expression. case is heating the wire, which is applying energy to the wire, has a tendency to elongate the wire, and also the workability and formability and durability of the wire are 100% governed by tensile strength, yield strength, and these other parameters that ISO 5832 testing provides and proves, which your device simply cannot show. I mean, we can agree that hydrogen is the number one bearing factor of titanium grading, and we can agree that your EDXRF cannot measure hydrogen. Hydrogen embrittlement is the number one cause of failure in these kind of metals, including stainless steel. So, Ari, let me let me ask yeah. you, Ari, hold on one hold on one sec, uh, Jeremy. Let me ask you a question, Ari. Let's let's just say because Lord knows I don't know. Let's just uh, I'll play double advocate. Okay, fine. Let's say you're right, and that. And I don't know either way, but let's say you're right that Jeremy's uh, equipment that he used couldn't uh, measure properly uh, your, your wire. If it was, um, how would it be different than the wire that he's talking about that he can get so easily for uh, yeah, substantially less money? Excellent. Yeah, very, very good. That's the next point I was going to bring up. So the hydrogen content within titanium is the number one factor that uh, 
that governs things like tensile yield strength and elongation. So obviously tensile strength is very important, um, and also we have to keep in mind that hydrogen is soluble in titanium. Uh, the hydrogen atom, be it atomic hydrogen or molecular hydrogen, uh, can penetrate the lattice structuring of titanium. It's a tetrahedral lattice. And this atomic or molecular hydrogen is soluble within that lattice. And what that means is that the lattice is large enough and the hydrogen atom or molecule is small enough to penetrate that lattice. So what happens is, and, and this is something that's very common in uh, titanium welding, this is why you have to x-ray and check your weld. So what happens is this soluble hydrogen enters this lattice and it slowly dilutes down into the core of the wire. And that's a huge problem because you have a buildup of pressure inside of the wire when this hydrogen enters into the lattice, and when you apply heat to that wire, that lattice rapidly expands, and that hydrogen wants to escape from that lattice. The problem with that is if the escape rate of the hydrogen is below the permeability of the titanium, you, can, uh, you get a problem called hydrogen embrittlement, and what it causes, uh, it causes basically stress fracturing due to pressure. So that's what will cause, uh, you know, a titanium wire, especially if you're using it as a heating element, to overly elongate and fail. So obviously the tensile properties, the yield properties, the uh, tensile property is essentially considered a maximum strength property. So that's the point at which the lattice, quote unquote, breaks apart. And I'm oversimplifying this. It's much more complicated than that. But in lay terms, that's how it works. And the yield strength is basically the strength that governs at which point the lattice can induce axial distortions and bend and or form a coil or form another type of object. The elongation has everything to do with how much that object expands, and I'd be very happy to provide some uh, high-speed microscope footage of the elongation of our wire. That's a very critical component. So let's say, for example, uh, you build a coil in your, your atomizer and you wick it with some cotton, and you have a nice tight, uh, and I'm sure we can all agree that wicking is a very important property of getting a good vape. So let's say we pull that wick through, and it's nice and tight, and it's the proper kind of wick. And let's say we go to pre-fire that coil, and that coil undergoes an undue amount of elongation. That's going to cause a really big problem because now that coil swells beyond the size of that wick. So obviously we can't sit here and say that tensile strength, yield strength, and elongation are not important. They are highly critical. I, I disagree. We're, we're not sending we're not sending rockets to the moon. We're not uh, we're not sending you know. So, so, so wait, 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 Ari, Ari, so please, don't, please don't interrupt him. Please let him finish his thought. This is this is a very simplistic. This is perhaps the most simplistic application that you could possibly associate with titanium wire. This is not anything that is life-threatening. It is not anything that is critical that relies on those particular parameters to be absolutely what they have to be. It's not rocket science. You're sending an electric current through a piece of wire to heat juice and create vapor. So you're saying that many, the, the tensile strength is not important? Not as important as you make it out to be, no. And you're saying that the yield strength, which is governs the formability of how you can wrap a coil, you're saying that's not important? If you anneal it to a certain degree where it's not as, you know, for lack of a better term, springy as, you know, the, the straight unannealed titanium right. wire, so if you, you just, can wrap so you, a, if you can, if I can wrap a coil with it, then so, there's no correct. issue. So you, just, so you just admitted that it's important. If it's too stiff and too springy to wrap a coil, then it's useless. 
But if I can wrap a coil with it, regardless of because regardless of the springiness of the wire, I can I can gauge how uh, uh, how likely that wire is to return to its original shape. I can gauge how big that coil is going to get. So I can simply wrap it on a smaller bar, and when I release tension on it, yes, it does. It expands to a larger diameter. If I gauge the type, the, the diameter of the bar properly, then annealing, see, it, it's kook science. It, it's, it's bro science. It's not something that is absolutely necessary. In no, the no, 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 no. It's can, not bro science. Go, I, it's accepted I can go pull, global standard. I can, well, I can go pull. ISO 5832 which is the way you test commercially pure titanium, relies on tensile strength, yield length, and elongation as three components of its parameters. Are you arguing that ISO 5832 testing is irrelevant? In this application, yes. I feel that's that you're, a, clouding, you're, you're clouding, you're clouding, you're muddying the water with a bunch of technical terms with 90% no, no, of no, people no, no, who no. vape. Wait, You're clouding the water by claiming that Okay, uh, hold on. All right, two things, two things. By the way, nobody can hear either of you. First things, first things first. Wait, bo both of you, please wait for the other party to finish their thought because when two people are talking at once, nobody can hear anything. And second, Ari, please don't vape directly into the phone. It's really, really loud. Um, uh, Jeremy, please finish your thought quickly, or as quickly as you can, and then I'll let Ari respond. Go ahead, guys. When it comes to this application here, I feel that you're muddying the water. All of these different technical specifications that you keep throwing out are irrelevant when it comes to vaping, for the most part. There are certain things that do have slight relevance, but overall, not what you're claiming they are. I can go find a spool of wire online that is commercially pure, 99.9%, .9 or however pure that I can find it, and get it to perform almost identically, if not absolutely identically, to the wire that you sell for a fraction of the cost. These different technical specifications that you're throwing out, you're throwing out because 90% of the people that vape have no clue what they mean. They hear a bunch of technical numbers, and yes, you are a very intelligent man. That's obvious. But they hear you throwing out all these different specifications, and they think, oh, well, he knows what he's talking about. That must be right. And G-Plat and other wire manufacturers have all done the same thing. Oh, we know this and we know that. We're this intelligent. You just got to take our word for it. And for the most part, yeah, it does work for you. But you can't convince me that you went to a wire manufacturer and convinced them to make some special alloy or some unalloyed, whatever, you, you, didn't, you didn't go to them and convince them to stop making a product that was already making them multi-million dollars a year to, to, to make a, a product specifically for you to your specific specifications for this small of a niche market. That's, that's, I'm sorry, I don't believe it. That's really interesting that you bring that up because that's absolutely false. If you knew anything about the way the global titanium marketplace worked, you would know that there are hundreds of specialty manufacturers which are willing to provide specialty billets of titanium for whatever purposes you may or may not need, biomedical, aerospace, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, but not on such a small basis. Well, how do you know what a small basis is? You don't work for us. You don't know our numbers. You don't know the volumes that we buy. You don't know our overhead. You don't know our labor costs. You're making suppositions. 
I'm making an educated supposition based on the fact that no one in the vape industry, not, probably not even, perhaps Joytech, maybe, but a multi-billion dollar company is not going to stop making what they already make and they already provide to make something <laughs> simply for you. It's just these, not feasible. These you, don't are the, multi, you don't have the stroke. I'm sorry. These you are don't. not multi-billion dollar companies. That, that's where you're confused. So you're making, you're making suppositions saying that are on the basis of an educated guess but you're clearly demonstrating a lack of understanding of the commercially pure titanium global marketplace. There are certainly many dozens, if not hundreds of vendors that will not only provide you with custom billet stock, but they'll drop forge whatever alloy you want as long as you meet their MOQ. And their MOQ is nowhere near as high as you claim it to be. Mm, I, I, I disagree. I well, disagree on disagree, the reliability you of that. You have no proof. See, the, the difference is you disagree, but you have no proof. I disagree, but I have proof. But you're not going to throw out. You're not going to throw out business names. You're not going to throw out contacts. You're not going to throw out anything to make it investigatable because that hurts your bottom dollar. I, I threw out the data sheets. You want me to name my suppliers? What what sane business would name their suppliers? That's a, is that, BMW that, going to tell that, you who makes their differential? That's a very fair. Actually, yeah, they do. No, they Actually, don't. yeah, they do. Yes, they do. Car companies, anything that is traceable back to to okay, original okay, so, inspection, yeah, they right, do. Right, 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 right. So let's say that true. So then, so then, by your marker, anyone who refuses to say who their suppliers are, let's say Red Bull supplies, uh, Red Bull has a formula for a flavor. If they don't tell you who their uh, flavor supplier is, then it's totally bogus. Now that's patented. That's patented, and those are those uh -huh. are commercial trade secrets. Those are commercial trade secrets. Now, if someone comes out and they say, "Hey, now I can tell you flat out, Fiji water is not from Fiji. I know for a fact that it's not from Fiji. They can tell you it's from Fiji all day long, but I can tell you exactly where it comes from. It comes from the Houston Municipal Water Supply. Do, it's do you have any filtered? Okay, and, and do you have proof of that? Yeah, my wife works for Dr. Pepper. She walks by a $7 million purification system every day while it's pumping water out of the ground, filtering it through its system, and putting it in bottles and putting so, it in so cases. So essentially, essentially what you're saying is that if any manufacturer on the planet is unwilling to disclose their suppliers or trade secrets, they're bogus. You've got something to hide. Okay, I'm gonna, guys, I'm gonna, ah, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna step in here. I think, as far as this topic is concerned, you've both stated your case. People um, can decide either way. I don't know how much they care, though. I, 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 this is this is good, and this was a good, um, a good foundation. But I think what most vapors are most interested in is that. Okay, Jeremy has has said, look at all these suppliers you can get near, uh, you know, whatever it is. I, I don't think they most vapors know or care or understand uh, about all the different levels of certification and all that stuff. Okay. But he's put out this information saying, look, you can get this stainless. Ari, you're killing me. Can you please not vape directly into the phone? Um, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, he's saying, look, there's all these suppliers where you can get wire for two cents a foot. Um, and it's basically the same. Ari, your position is we do stuff differently and our stuff is better. What I'd like to do now is... First, start, first. Wait, well, well, let me, let me. Uh, well, can I? Well, let me. Can I ask you the question, Ari? Um, the the question is, sure. 
Can you please state your case as to, oh, first of all, how much does your wire cost per foot? Uh, like, say, the we've been talking about this titanium. How much is your titanium? It depends on the quantity. It depends on the quantity you buy it in. A 10-foot retail pack is just under a buck a foot, and a 50-foot okay. bulk spool is right around 67 cents a foot. Okay. So, the, the, obviously, a huge difference between 2 cents and even 67 cents. That's a, that's a huge markup. Now, what I'd like you to do, my question is, all these things, let's say, let's, again, give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm willing to do that that your stuff is truly special, um, why is it, you know, 30 times more expensive? How do, how do you justify that from the difference in your wire? How does that uh, justify its enormous price difference? Sure, sure. Well, number one, it's not two cents a foot. Um, you know, I wish I could get it for two cents a foot. If I could get it for two cents a foot, I'd certainly reduce the price. Uh, so that being said, well, no, 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 that's not what I, that's not what I said. I, I, I'm sorry, maybe you didn't misunderstand. I'm saying that Jeremy has cited sources where he can get, say, tit, you know, the titanium wire for around that. Certainly, much less. Um, I'm asking you, oh, what's the yeah. difference? What's the difference? What's the what's the what's the uh, advantage to the vapor to use yours? Oh well, I mean the uh, the difference is in the quality of the wire. I, I mean, I think that's evident. Any of our customers will tell you that have tried, uh, you know, a quote unquote industrial off the shelf wire versus our wire will tell you. I mean, there, there are substantial differences. Uh, number one being a lack of hydrogen fracturing, much more uniform surface, uh, much more uniform electrical resistivity. Uh, our cleaning process, which I sent, uh, you know, pictures and thorough documentation to you, Russ, about that and. Uh, you know, if, if a $12,000 EDXRF is what justifies someone's, uh, you know, qualifications, the $380,000 of cleaning equipment sitting here should certainly justify, uh, justify ours. More than happy to put up videos or pictures of that process. Uh, we worked with 3M and Crest to develop the cleaning process. As you can imagine, working with a company like 3M and Crest Ultrasonics is not cheap. Uh, there's also the labor involved in cleaning it. There's also the labor uh, involved in respooling it, which is done on precision lathes. That's a very expensive equipment. There's the labor involved in packaging it. There's the markup for the retailer. There's the markup for the distributor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This all seems completely reasonable from a point of the things that you have to do. And again, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, say so that you do all these things. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. So that's all the labor that you have to enact to put out this product, I gotcha. When when the va when a vapor is sitting there with the the wire that Jeremy re uh, recommends, which is pennies a foot, and then in his other hand, Ari, please, please, please that, don't that's vape. Not, that's, that's not me. Rob. Okay, then Jeremy, please, everybody, stop vaping into the. <laughs> don't do that, please. It drives me crazy and it's loud as fuck. Don't vape into the phone, please. Um, uh, so in one hand, uh, they've got. You know what Jeremy recommended, which is very, very you know, it's pennies a foot, and then what you have, and in the other hand, they have your product, Ari. Um, okay, I understand what was involved in the labor. I take your word for all that. What are they going to experience differently between those two wires? They, sure. you're, you're, you're sure. saying that's, they can tell a difference. A what question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. So, um, number one. Uh, electrical resistivity uniformity. So obviously every foot of wire needs to be roughly the same resistance and you need to have a uh, you know, very even resistive coefficient throughout the strand of wire, especially if you're running on temperature control. That completely governs how the temperature control algorithms work. Uh, so number one, that's highly critical. Uh, number two, surface cleanliness. Obviously you don't want to be vaping uh, random hydrocarbons, complex or simple hydrocarbons. You don't want to be vaping graphite. And, and here's, a, here's a big point to make. 
the way this wire is processed, it's, it's uh, drawn in a process called a full-slip drawing process, and that relies on a dry lube process. Uh, you can't wet lube it for heat reasons and m many other reasons, but essentially uh, they use graphite to lubricate the wire when they draw it through the drawing dies, and it goes through many stages of reduction. You obviously don't go from a one millimeter wire down to a .1 millimeter wire, you destroy the surface. So they've got to use a graphite to lubricate that when it's coming through the drawing dies, and then what happens is when you take that product and you put it into a vacuum oven to vacuum anneal it, we vacuum anneal our product, uh, that graphite goes through some phase changes and produces some oxides. So essentially you're baking the graphite onto the surface of the wire, and it's very critical to remove that graphite. Uh, it's going to lead to hot spots. It's going to lead to inconsistencies in the vape. It's going to have a quote-unquote taste to it, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So cleaning that graphite off and cleaning any complex or simple hydrocarbons, oils, whatever you may have off of the wire is, to me, that seems very critical. Now, obviously, you know, a, a vapor can make their own call about that. If they don't think that a clean wire is worth a premium price, that's fine. Uh, but for someone to claim that we are somehow fraudulent by doing that, it, it seems absurd to me. Jeremy, you can respond. What I will say to this is that I'm not saying that you don't do all of these processes to your wire. That if you do them, more power to you. If you want to charge that for your wire, more power to you. If people want to pay for that and they, they swear by it and they just absolutely want to go with your wire, more power to them. It's their money. All I'm saying is that I can go and I can find wire that is virtually identical and the taste difference, the flavor and the performance differences are really going to be nothing more than subjective. Well, but that's the problem is it's not virtually identical. You're offering no proof that it's virtually identical. And also, if it was, in fact, virtually identical, why do we have thousands of customers around the globe who will give testimony that our titanium and our titanium wire product is superior to other titanium wire products they've tried? I'm on, uh, uh, Ari, yeah, no. Ari, 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 I'm uh, on board. I'm, I'm, I, I think a lot of the um, things you're talking about, and I have some questions about them, are, are very um could be very re relevant. Um, having a lot of people buy something, I mean, there are millions of people who swear by homeopathy and it's complete bullshit. Like, like just because people buy something doesn't mean it's better. I mean, we see that. that that's the that's the one point you've made where I, I have to say it's just not relevant. I'm glad you have happy customers. That's great. But like, it doesn't it doesn't bolster any of your claims. But however, the one I'm interested in is you said, you know, you're talking about the cleaning of the wire and I get that. I mean, God knows what's in these factories who are, you know, who are making this product that, you know, you know, might be for industrial use or whatever. And, you know, having having this stuff on the and oh God, it's so noisy. Um, I don't know where all this noise is coming from, but if either of you are like in a really noisy environment, could you make it less noisy? Because it's just making it hard for people to listen. I just I, I, I know how this stuff works when it's when there's bad audio quality. People just change the station. So please, if you're around noise remove the noise or remove yourself from the noise. It's driving me crazy. Okay, I can, so... I can mute my microphone. It's probably it's probably on my end. Yeah, yeah. When you're not talking, just mute. If That that would really help a lot. Oh, that's much better. Yeah, much better. Okay, so the cleaning thing, that's interesting to me. Definitely interesting to me. So um, my question to you is, what would it take 
Like, let's say, let's say you're right that like, and, and it makes a lot of sense to me. Like you're, you're making some sense to me here, Ari, that, you know, Hey, there's all this gunk that could be on the wire that you don't want to just wrap a coil and throw some cotton through it and start vaping on it. That is an argument that like actually really resonates with me. Um, my question to you is, um, you know, just, just to be fair and get the information out there, like what you do to get all of this gunk or whatever off of the wire to make it ostensibly safer for the vapor, um, that sounds great. My question to you is, if a, let's say a vapor were to take the wire that uh, Jeremy has recommended, who that does not go through these processes that you're doing to clean it, um, if they took it and clamped it in some pliers or a forceps or something and just you know ran a, a blowtorch over it for a few seconds, is that the same result as what oh, you no, would do from no. your cleaning process? If no, yeah. explain why. Yeah, no, absolutely not. No, that, that wouldn't. Not. I'll even... I'll even agree with you that, that that's not when when you heat titanium you have to be very careful when you heat titanium and the reason why is because it produces titanium oxides and those are actually very toxic to inhale which is well, one reason why it works well it's one of the reasons why it works so well with temperature control is because you can manage the temperature of the wire you don't want to get it past those critical points before it starts to produce oxides yeah and I'll, but, but I'll mute again. I think I think, uh, sorry if I'm interrupting, am I uh, free to talk? No, I actually asked you the question, yeah, Ari, yeah, so go, go ahead. ahead. Yeah, uh, Yeah. so so I, I think there's a more critical point to bring up, which is um, blowtorching your wire or, you know, clamping it in your atomizer and heating it to quote-unquote clean it is not, in fact, cleaning it. What you're doing is you're burning those hydrocarbons, oils, residues, graphite, et cetera, et cetera, into the surface of the wire. You're creating a fundamental metallurgical change, and that's typically why a wire will hotspot. If you ever wondered why wire hotspots, it's because of impurities, surface impurities. So it's – that I, is – go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I, do, I do agree with you there. Okay, so, I mean, so, this, is, this is to me – this uh, – Ari, you've changed – my mind, I, you know, I'm taking, I'm just taking what you're saying is truth. You sound like an honest person, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. I mean, this does I, sound. I'm also happy to. I, I'm also happy to back it up, Russ. I'm more than happy to provide photos, videos, a complete tour of our facility. We have nothing to hide. We are a very transparent company. Ask any of our customers, any of our supporters. We are number one in transparency and customer support. Yeah, sure. Any any media that you provide, I'll I'll include in the replay notes whenever you give it to me. I'm all for sharing all that stuff. Um, this actually makes some sense to me. Like I, I can believe it. It seems, and this is a question for Jeremy now. Like I, I believe it. It seems reasonable to me that if someone were to go online and buy some stuff, there might be some stuff on that wire that they don't want in their vaping experience. And if you take Ari at his word, and for now I am, I have no reason not to really. It, He's taking pain to, and it sounds expensive, to get rid of it. So, Jeremy, I'm, what I'm asking you, I mean, isn't, in your mind, isn't that a value, isn't that valuable enough to justify, is, is it valuable enough, that cleaning that they're doing, is that valuable enough to justify the price? It, it all depends. Now, if, if I go and I buy and I source a spool of wire that is intended for medical implantation into the human body, I guarantee you that they have gone through very critical cleaning processes. There's not going to be any carbons. There's not going to be any graphite. There's not going to be any hydrocarbons baked onto the surface of these wires because they could produce adverse reactions into the human body. And we live in such a litigious society that companies are just not going to take that risk 
to produce a product and sell it for those applications when those you know negative repercussions could possibly present themselves uh, th that's actually not true um, the wire that we source is from a reputable biomedical supplier it is rated ASTM F67 rated for human body implantation and I provided Russ with the hydrocarbons report from 3M Laboratories, a pretty legitimate laboratory, showing dramatic reductions in hydrocarbon. And I'll get very specific about the reductions. Uh, the wavelength, uh, it's undergone FTIR testing. And the uh, spectrograph returned a very high spike in the um, graphite dioxide range. Uh, we could call it a graphene, graphene O2, GO2, whatever you want to call it. Uh, certainly... <laughs> That is, that is contrary to what you're saying. So, no, these, these manufacturers are not providing absolutely clean product. In fact, when a doctor does something like a full hip replacement, uh, obviously titanium is being used to do that, they have to go through a sterilization process to remove that. ASTM 67 does not denote that the wire is absolutely free of hydrocarbons. That is not at all what ASTM F67 means. I, I get you there, but the wires, the wires that you can source for biomedical implantation, I can almost assuredly say with almost utmost certainty that those wires are going to be perfectly fine for vaping. But, but I can prove that they're not, Jeremy. I have a lab report, an FTIR report from 3M Laboratories proving the spike in graphene dioxide showing that, no, they are not, in fact, uh, acceptable for human body implantation. Also keep in mind, if this factory produces this stuff and clean it in-house, remember that there's a network of logistics that that wire has to go through to reach the end customer. So even if it was clean coming out of their facility, which I'm disputing, still it gets warehoused in a dirty warehouse until it gets put on a pallet and gets put on a boat and then gets shipped over to the United States and then gets shipped through a bunch of people's hands and then goes to a manufacturer and then goes to a supplier, etc., etc. So we can't assume that this stuff is clean unless you have a report or a valid test showing that it is or is not clean. You can't just assume that it's clean. You can't just say, I guarantee someone that it's clean when you have no proof to back up that guarantee. So Ari, you're saying that the you know, people in the medical industry who are using this wire for, you know, surgical purposes or whatever, you're saying that they, once they get their product, that they're going to, they now go through a process similar to what you're doing to make it safe for use in surgery and, and whatnot? Uh, yes. Yeah, yes, absolutely. And in fact, the solvent that we use, that we contracted with 3M to produce and license, is the exact same solvent that's used in a vapor degreaser in a hospital to clean these kind of things. Absolutely, they must be cleaned and proven sterile before implantation. Vapor degreasing. Wow. I use naphtha for that. Uh, well, naphtha is flammable. Like we're we, we're governed by OSHA law. I can't use flammable. I can't use isopropanol. I have to use. Uh, we use 3M Novec 72DA. It's a, it's a certified biomedical application cleaning solvent, zero residue. Yeah. No. I. I. I yeah. You're. You're absolutely right on that. Okay. So, yeah, and I have worked. I have worked in certain uh, facilities here. Uh, 3M being one of them. Uh, DuPont being another one. Uh, and yeah, these, these companies, especially 3M, 3M actually is very, very critical in the products and the chemicals that they produce and the testing that they perform. Um, you know, I, I won't argue. I won't argue the facts with you on that. Um, I mean, if, if you take the wire through such 
in intrinsic, uh, not intrinsic, but if you take if you take the wire through such in depth. Uh, uh, cleaning practices and you feel that it gives a better vape and your customers are happy with that, I, I can't argue with that. Well, I mean, let's, let's go one step beyond that. Let's say that, let's say that none of that is relevant. And obviously that's up to the person opening their wallet to decide. I can't force anyone to say that it is or isn't relevant. That's their own decision to make. But let's be True. real clear about the regulations that are coming up. The FDA is going to force us to prove all of these sanitary practices and protocols. So whether this stuff is overkill or not, I don't know that that's wholly relevant in this day and age. What's relevant is that we're going to have to prove this stuff in the very near future, and we are geared up to prove it. Well, I will give you props on this. The fact that you are willing to undertake these you know, extreme measures to uh, – uh, and not extreme in a negative way, but extreme just you know, to be – so exacting in the cleaning processes. I will give you kudos, you know, and, and props on that. Uh, uh, that from an advocacy standpoint, that that can't hurt the industry. Well, and if it can't, can't hurt. hurt. If it can't hurt the industry, then in my opinion, that only helps us. Well, we're finding so the. I will give you props on that, and I, 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 you know, I appreciate the fact that you're willing to go through those particular things. You know, when I first started doing this testing, it wasn't to. It wasn't to go after you specifically. It wasn't. It wasn't even, I didn't even have titanium wire in my sights because I know that titanium is, you know, relatively new to the game, but is, uh, uh, it goes through such exacting circumstances. You know, I, I don't know enough about titanium specifically. I'm not, I will admit that I'm not trained specifically for titanium. My foray and my niche, uh, my main focus is with 304, 316, you know, 340, 570, you know, 515, all of these different stainless steel properties. These wires, when these manufacturers came out and said, our wire is the best wire on the planet, we do X and Z to it, and you're going to swear by it. You know, I, I, I feel that, you know, they, they really, they took advantage of the ignorance of most people. Well, let's, let's, um, let's, let's, I mean, I, let, well, hold on, hold on, guys, just one second, because I, sure. I want to get to a, a call. Let's Let's talk about those wires in a minute. Before we do that, uh, hey, Fido, um, before we do that, um, we do have a call I'd like to take. If you have questions or comments, please do call in. The number is 347-308-8329. It's right, it's right at the top of the chat. Just push one once you hear the show audio so I can uh, I can pick up on you. Uh, caller in the 408 area code, you're on the air. Hey, hey Russ and said, well, I asked you questions, but I think you guys were about to go to another section that I think I should just listen to and then come back to me. Well, what was your question? Let me let me decide that. Well, it, well it, as far as I understand what, what's going on is that there is a wire that has really good vaping properties. And this guy, uh, I guess his name is Ari, I'm not very good with names, has basically dialed it in and cleans it and makes it really, really good. And the other guy, which I don't, Jeremy, I guess his name is, is saying that you could buy this stuff off the shelf, and if you did all the work yourself, you could get it to be the exact same thing. And basically Ari's saying, sure, you, you possibly could, but I've done all that, and because I've put all of this expense into it, that uh, I, I charge a premium just like anybody else charges a premium that is in business. Is that more or less where the two sides are? Uh, uh, Ari, you can go first, I guess. 
I, I mean, in a nutshell, I, I think that that's wrapping a tidy blanket around things. Um, I, you know, it's much more complex than that, but I, I suppose in lay terms, uh, I mean, that's one way of understanding it. Um, we, we don't, we've never made any claims of best or better or this or that. We've just been very transparent about our process and what our product is. And basically, if our end user, you know, if it meets their needs and they're willing to open their wallet and pay a premium to get, quote unquote, the best titanium wire on the market, then, you know, what, what else can I say beyond that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's to me, I, I have a lot of experience kind of with car parts and stuff, and some things are just dialed in, like some people do exactly. extrude honing, extrude honing of the uh, the of the intakes and stuff. And it's, it just does things. I mean, if it's dialed in, it's dialed in. So that's what it sounds like you're doing. What, the next part that you said is that uh, you, you are preparing for the FDA. Because that's something that I'm very interested in. Because on some of these wires and, and even on some of the, like for the cardamires, when they were finding tin in the vape, it was because of the, the surrounding cardamizer. So you're, you're planning on doing FDA compliance and stuff? Uh, if if we are forced down that direction, which, number one, let me be very clear, I don't agree with FDA regulation. I will never get a tobacco license. I do not make a tobacco product. My wire has nothing yeah, no. to do with tobacco. So I simply will not comply. They'll have to lead me away in handcuffs before I supply, uh, comply with that. But, you know, let's say that these overbearing regulations are imposed on us. Number one, I don't believe the FDA has jurisdiction to regulate consumer electronics or wire. I mean, I could just resell the stuff as a, a jewelry-making wire. I don't see how they're ever going to come after that. But let's say that they do. Yeah, then we're gearing up to be able to back that up. I don't think any of us in this industry will be able to pass these uh, PMTAs because, first of all, the FDA doesn't even know what the PMTAs are. They're basically asking us to pay for the testing so they can analyze the testing and then figure out what the hell they're talking about. So I don't think things will go in that direction, but I think there will be some reasonable regulations where manufacturers essentially have to prove the you know, sanitary properties of their product, uh, their manufacturing practices, uh, business licensing, taxes. I think that's all very legitimate. I, I mean, I think that's actually been a big problem in the vaping industry right now. Uh, anyone who wants to can throw, uh, you know, TFA ripe strawberry into a glass bottle and slap a premium label on it and call it premium liquid, but there's no oversight whatsoever. There needs to be some oversight. I agree. Right. And, yeah, so, so you essentially are, are, you will never be a tobacco product, I agree, but you are kind of like a flavor maker, somebody that makes flavors, uh, and then uh, that's a component for, of them. Stop. Uh, just, just hold on a second. For fuck's sake, just... Stop vaping into the phone. It's driving me fucking crazy. I've asked you guys like five times. Stop vaping into the telephone. I'm sorry, Ed. Go ahead. Now, Russ, I think it's... I, I'm sitting out on the balcony. I think it's the breeze blowing into the microphone on my headphones. All right. Whatever it is, uh, it's driving me crazy. I'm sorry, Ed. Go ahead. Yeah, so you're like a flavor maker, essentially, because the flavor makers, uh, you know... Well, we, we also... Are, we also make liquid. We've been making. That's how we got into this business. Uh, so okay. we make liquid. So, so we're, so, we're right. So, so my point is basically that you uh, could well be a component in a tobacco product, and because you have the data to support what your wire does, that that could be useful. Uh, Correct. So I will. It, I will it, probably be reaching out to you outside of this. But my my other question would be. Uh, 
you know, because there are very small changes that make differences in, in the metal of the wires. Uh, my understanding is that NI200 is almost exactly the same as NI201, except for just minor, minor differences, except NI201 uh, is, is designed for high heat. And we have all these vendors selling NI200, which is right up against the 600 watt or uh, 600 degree uh, temperature barrier where it becomes, starts to get fractionalization, I think it is. So can either of you guys talk about what you think of NI200 versus 201? And maybe that question could be uh, put off to the end uh, if you guys were going to talk more about what you were talking about, Russ. Uh, I'd be happy to get into that. Yep, p please do. Yeah, I'm, okay, yeah uh, I'm game. I'm game for so, that for, for what I know. <laughs> so, uh, yes, very small, very small percentage differences can make cumulative performance differences. I mean, anyone who has dealt with you know, critical systems knows that. And it's also the cumulative result. Like if you gain 1% here and 1% there, you know, like look at a race car. They're, they're trying to shave grams off of every last little component, and they might spend $70,000 to make a shock tower that weighs 7 grams less than the one before. Does that 7 grams win them a race? Maybe not, but if they have 100 parts that they all shaved 7 grams off of, then, yeah, these things make a cumulative difference. And, and without a doubt, very small percentages of metallurgical change can make big differences. And I emphasize the word can because you can't wrap a tidy blanket around all metals and say that, you know, well, if 2% difference in nickel makes a huge difference, then 2% difference in 316 stainless would make a huge difference. It's not that simple. I agree. And, and, and so when people are using NI200, and I think that because the higher temperature version is NI201, that, that everybody should just be using 201 is there some sort of cost reason, or is there any reason why people are using NI200? Is it cost, or why would people yes. go with the high temp rated stuff? Well, first of all, the term high temp is a bit of a misnomer. Um, both NI200 and NI2R1 certainly are not going to produce a nickel dioxide or a nickel isotope or a nickel salt at vaping temperatures. Your cotton would ignite and blow into flames well before any of that happened. But what is critical is these very small differences do make an, a, a difference in yield strength, tensile strength, and elongation. And I believe that elongation is the number one parameter to look at because obviously if your coil expands and contracts and you know, has these kind of uniformity issues while you're vaping, that can cause a problem, hot spots, et cetera, et cetera. And now I know Jeremy doesn't exactly agree on that, but you know, maybe I can do some, uh, some testing under the uh, high-speed microscope and, and show that there is a very big difference. So, for example, NI200 has about 40 to 50% elongation per two inches. Uh, our wire, and sorry for the shameless plug, but I can really only use this as a basis, uh, our wire has about 20% elongation. So I think you could see where, you know, a, a difference in the coil itself expanding two times as much as another material, that can certainly make a difference. That would be like if you had, a, let's say, a critical comp uh, component in an engine, like a piston or a piston ring, and it expanded beyond the bore of the cylinder. That's obviously going to cause a very big problem. So, yes, I mean, these very small differences can make a performance impact. But again, you know, this, this kind of has to be up to the vapor to decide. I mean, they're ultimately the ones that open their wallet. Yeah, but I, I don't think there's any information that anybody has on 
201 versus 200. Um, I mean, it's it's just that 200 came out. That's what people are using. So when you say the vapors are going to make a decision, I kind of think it's the vendors that should be making that decision. So is 201 different the price? Is there a big price difference between the two? No. No. But, but again, you can't blanket NI200 and NI201 into a tidy package. There's, there's very many quality gradations within that. So let's say you buy uh, some NI200 and you chop it up into one-foot sections and you measure those on a precision milliohm meter. And let's say a one-foot section of it measures uh, 0.7 ohms and then another one-foot section measures 0.3 ohms and then another measures 0.23 ohms. So no, I mean, yeah, you could say that is NI200, but that's not really getting into the core technicalities that matter to us. I mean, wouldn't you want an, a wire that's uniform in electrical resistivity? So I, I think that it, I, I, Go ahead. I, I think it goes much deeper than that. I mean, I hate to make it so long-winded, but it is a really complex subject. Okay, I, I, I think people are interested, actually. But uh, so when when people are... Because I, I looked at the specification, the PDF, so I, I totally agree that there is quality differences for the same spec. Uh, I'm even told that there's gigantic quality differences between VG, uh, that some VGs are better than others. Uh, yeah, that's and correct. So with, within, within the same group, there's, there's, you know, there's good, middle, and, and best uh, you know, for every single thing. But when I was looking at the PDF document, uh, it was basically saying that NI200 starts to fractionalization at, uh, at uh, 600 degrees. That's when it begins to happen. Um, and so if you had a bad version of that, I would expect it to be happening at a lower temperature. Uh, well, a, a lot of that has to do with the hydrogen so, content that we were so talking the question about. Is, the question is, what is fractionalization? And does that mean that the wire is literally decomposing? And Because here's the last part, is that people say that they can taste the nickel in their e-liquid. Uh, they can taste it in their vape. And uh, if the wire is breaking down and getting into the vape, that's kind of what I really want to know. And oh, that's yeah. why I believe that NI200 is the safer option. Well, I wouldn't say safer. 201. I wouldn't say safer because th this gets into some other issues. Uh, you know, I think a lot of people are assuming that heat is the only catalyst for oxidation, and that's not true, especially with the nickel. Uh, nickel is one of the most reactive catalysts on Earth. Um, it's used for all kinds of industrial value-added processes. In fact, nickel is part of the process that produces VG out of uh, biodiesel remnants, but we, we won't get into that. So essentially, uh, you know, yes, these very minute differences can make a huge difference. Also, when you're talking about 600 degrees, I think you're talking 600 degrees Celsius. So what can happen is let's, let's remove heat from the equation. There's another process called an organometallic reaction, and that is certainly something that nickel is susceptible to. Uh, nickel is not an inert uh, or biocompatible material. So something as simple, a uh, great experiment. Take a strand of nickel and dunk it in a glass of lemon juice and potassium chloride, just some simple table salt, and leave it in there for a few days and watch what happens. My guess is you'll never vape on nickel again. Yeah, nickel nickel has uh, a lot of nasty uh, effects on the human body. And from what I understand about nickel, 
the gradation of nickel from, you know, whether it be nickel 50, nickel 60, nickel 70, 80, 90, you know, 200, 201, those are the, uh, the amounts of nickel that are present. So, you know, I, I can't, I can't, you know, I'm kind of talking out of school, but I, I can't necessarily put faith that just adding a little bit more nickel to the factor is going to be any safer. If anything, you know, my educated guess would say that it would be the exact opposite. Um, the nickel wires that I used, that I usually vaped on were, you know, nickel 60, nickel 50. I didn't want to go any higher than that because, yeah, I, I did. I got the taste of like hot dimes in my mouth and it was just nasty, right. disgusting flavor. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why we don't have nickel plated cookware. Um, nickel has very good properties for, you know, uh, uh, heat conduction, but, you know, when you apply heat to it, it does, it, it off gases, it, uh, it breaks down molecular wise into the foods that you would eat. And nickel poisoning is, you know, highly carcinogen, uh, you know, it, it causes cancer, you know, rampant throughout the human body. So nickel, uh, it's kind of one of the reasons why they don't implant nickel into the human body. Sure. And, and I, I mean, chromium is another, uh, you know, they used to use chromium cobalt for uh, hip replacements, and they've stopped using that for the very same reasons. Yep. But, um, you, you know, nickel, let's not fear monger here, because the more important thing to recognize is, yes, okay, nickel will uh, produce some, you know, phase derivatives without, uh, highly energetic, uh, well, let's call it heat for lack of better terms, just simple reactions, acidic reactions, base reactions at room temperature. But let's also, I mean, let's look a little bit deeper and say, well, okay, I mean, how much of that are we actually inhaling? The nickel ions that are getting stripped off of the nickel are certainly heavier than the vapor than we're inhaling. So, you know, I'm guessing that we're, and again, this is a guess. I would never say that, you know, this is a medical claim. But I think that the quantities that we're inhaling are very, very low in comparison to, let's say, what's dissolved in our water or foods or other things. So I don't think there's any conclusive proof that can say, uh, you know, uh, nickel will kill you. I, I think that's a really broad-reaching blanket statement. But does it make sense to mitigate risk? Yeah, absolutely. If you can, why not? Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's, a, it's an avoidable risk. It's an avoidable risk. So when there's uh, when there's nickel and nichrome, there's right there's nickel and nichrome, right? Is that much different than just straight nickel, or yes. would all the same negatives be be happening? No, no, because the nickel is actually acting as an inhibitor, and um, the nickel and nichrome. I mean, it, let's bring up stainless steel. Stainless steel is an excellent example, and Jeremy uh, says he's uh, you know well versed in stainless steel. So let's talk about stainless steel. Stainless steel is nothing more than iron carbon, nickel, and chromium. And yeah, there's a little bit of manganese in there, and there's authentic varieties, et cetera, et cetera. But for the most part, that's what stainless steel is. So nickel and chromium yeah. act as inhibitors, and they inhibit rust by flash oxidizing. And in fact, in stainless steel, chromium is actually the catalyst for creating that, uh, let's call it a galvanized layer or mitigating galvanic response. So yeah. is the nickel in a stainless steel quote-unquote, as toxic as nickel in pure nickel wire? No. Because, number one, it's bonded to other elements. You're creating an actual alloy. It's not just a randomly floating piece of nickel, uh, for lack of better terms. But, um, you know, could we say that there's a potential for some phase two or phase five oxidation? Yeah, absolutely. So of the different materials that you that, that we got nichrome, we got canthal, we got stainless steel uh, and uh, titanium and just pure nickel. Which, which should a, a vapor 
be vaping on, uh, considering that what's the best vape? Yeah, if they just want to, well, well, uh, well, well from, let's let's talk about that from two perspectives. Let's talk about that from just a health and safety perspective, and then from a performance perspective. Uh, uh, Jeremy, I'll give you first crack on this one. Um, from I, see, I can't speak to the health factors of it. Um, as far as the performance uh, standards for it, uh, the performance is. It really is subjective. It really is. Um, certain certain stainless steels have different, uh, you know, values for the nickel. And, you know, as far as when it comes to martinetic and austenitic properties, um, granted, the, the wires that we're using in vaping, it's not austenitic stainless steel. It's not martensite, you know. Uh, it, it's a very common grade of stainless steel. But uh, the the other values that are present there when it comes to, the chromium and the molybdenum and the manganese, uh, these are all things that do uh, have bearing in the performance of the wire, uh, but they're very, very minute, and that's why the traces of the percentages in the wire are as, as minute as they are. Uh, it doesn't take much. So when it comes to the, to the ASTM standards for, you know, plus minus percentages on these, the wires that I tested originally, they conform to ASTM guidelines for being, you know, stainless steel 304, stainless steel 316, stainless steel 317. Um, you know, they, they conform to that. Um, you know, when it comes to the differences between 316 and 317, I think that's largely subjective. It's, it's going to, the difference is, you know, which do you prefer? Can you tell a discernible difference in it? You know, no one's going to say, yes, you can, no, you can't. Um, you know, you're the, you're the actual judge for that. So when it comes to the medical properties of it, me, I avoid nickel wire, uh, nickel 200, um, the nichromes, I tend to try and get as low nickel and as high a chromium content as I can to it. Um, or I just, you know, avoid nichrome altogether. And, you know, I, I got away from nichrome to get into the stainless steels because deep down in my heart and the knowledge that I possess with stainless steel wires, I do feel that, that stainless steel is more inert and less harmful for the human body than nichrome wires. All right. I, I, I would agree to some extent, um, except that, uh, you know, obviously stainless steel creates ferric oxide, but ferric oxide isn't going to kill you. It's rust. It just tastes a little no, funny. Yeah. yeah, it tastes uh, a little funny, but the human body, it produces, you know, or it, it, uh, it processes the iron, and, you know, a lot of people yeah. might be iron deficient. It may help. Who knows? And, and, and this is what I'm getting at is that we, we have no conclusive clinical trials to prove that any of these wires are medically beneficial or medically harmful. Until I see a 10-year clinical trial that's done the right way, I, we're just making educated guesses. Now, obviously, I mean, my opinion on this is going to be extremely biased because I have a stake in selling titanium wire. So, of course, I'm going to say titanium wire is the most inert wire we can vape on. I mean, that is true. That is factual. Um, but you know, is it better? I, I don't know. I mean, that's like saying that one flavor of e-liquid is better than another. It's a totally subjective statement. No, I, I actually think that the most inert is better just because I, I don't think there's that much of a difference between all of them when you're actually doing a vape. I mean, each will serve its function. Well, so the, the most inert is the best. Uh, because well, well, there, there, there is some difference. anything else. 
Uh, sorry to cut you off, but I, I mean, there there is some difference, and really the biggest difference is our ramp times. But so, there's ways to compensate for ramp times with the, with the mod itself. Yeah, so, DNA 200, I mean, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm just looking for the, the, the best one and then, you know, work off for, uh, from there. So, uh, well, well, anyway, let's, let's, that, 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 go ahead. Uh, well, let's, let's put it this way. Uh, we certainly tested, I mean, we spent years developing our product, um, and obviously part of the development process is you've got to try everything that's out there. And it took us two days of testing nickel to realize that nickel has a serious problem. And the way we tested it was uh, we used an analytical balance, and we built a coil, and we weighed the coil before we vaped on it, and then we vaped on it, and then we weighed the coil again, and we realized that it had lost mass. So if the coil lost mass, where did it go? It's kind of so like me, that throws right. nickel out of the equation. It's you, of, definitely, yeah. you definitely lost mass. You definitely lost you, nickel. It went somewhere. Yeah, yeah both most likely in your lungs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, if, I, if, I do. I, if the nickel particulates are light enough to be carried in the aerosolized vapor, then I would say, yes, it's possible they made it into your lungs. But here's another critical thing to consider. Uh, the tissue in your lungs, the alveolar tissue, uh, the permeability of the cell membrane is about 70 nanometers. So if those particulates are not smaller than 70 nanometers, do they, produ uh, do they pose a mutagenic problem or carcinogenic problem? No, they can't cross the cell barrier. Can they become an irritant? Yes, absolutely. And, yeah, and well, that's where I... The... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Um, and, and, you know, it, the irritant factor of it, if someone were allergic to nickel, then, you know, God forbid, I hope they're not, you know, vaping on nickel wire if they're sensitive to that, but, you know, some people might not have that particular, you know, common sense, but uh, when it comes to, you know, the 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 molecular size of the particulates, you know, when I look at the way that a, that a coil functions, um, when you when you add electricity to the equation and you're heating that, there is a violent burst. You know, depending upon the device that you're using, uh, obviously mechanical is not so much as a regulated device. But you know, when you're using a device that can pretty much for the most part negate ramp time, yeah, there's a pretty violent reaction there. So I have no doubt that some of that nickel is making it into the into the body. I mean, it's that to me that's common sense. Is it going to pass the cell membrane? Probably not. But what what happens in time when it breaks down? Does it well, get smaller? These are things that we just don't know yet. Yeah, no, no. Actually, I can't answer that. Um, yes, it does get smaller, and that happens through electrolysis. And what happens is when you're passing a current through this wire, you know, not only are you inducing, uh, you know, heat through quote unquote inefficiency, but there's also a a response of uh, electronics, uh, electrolysis, you're obviously knocking off ions. And, you know, you know, even basic electronic engineering will tell you that. Are those ions small enough to create a nickel, you know, an atomic nickel particulate that can pass a cell membrane? Boy, that would be a great study. I agree. So if, if the thing to me is that item, not even if it's bigger than the cell membrane, I am not convinced that there's any way that the lung is going to uh, get rid of the metal once it's there. Um, I mean, how is, it, how is the lung supposed to get rid of it? It's not like it's you're coughing up phlegm. Um, right, right. So there's one of two ways that this, this can happen. It, it, it can cause cellular necrosis, 
So what that means is it permeates the cell membrane. And by the way, here's a very interesting uh, factoid. I, I read a study recently. I can't remember who it was from, but it was uh, very in-depth. And uh, it actually proves that nicotine acts as an uh, electromechanical inhibitor on some of uh, alveolar tissue uh, cell wall defense mechanisms. So you actually put a cell into a state of dormancy under high doses of nicotine under long time frames. So th there's some argument that yes, you create more permeability when you add nicotine into the equation. Um, but you know that you need a clinical trial to really see how that affects human health. Uh, you know, this is part of the problem with the current testing that's out there. You can throw whatever you want into a GCMS and vaporize it and get some, you know, component results, but it doesn't really tell you the impact on human health. And let's bring up diacetyl as a really good example. You know, there's a big fear-mongering, a big scare about diacetyl. Oh, my God, diacetyl will kill you. It'll give you cancer, all this kind of stuff. But people failed to look at the volumes. Like, that's the problem I've seen in vaping is that people have a tendency to wrap tidy blankets around things without really looking at the specifics. So, you know, I, if you ingest seven micrograms of diacetyl, are you going to get cancer? No. <laughs> but if you're exposed to 10 metric tons of highly aerosolized diacetyl on some popcorn factory floor every day for 10 years, are you increasing your risk? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, here's the thing is that you just said ingest, and, and the lungs are so much different. I mean, the lungs are exchanging you know, carbon dioxide and oxygen. It, it's such a different, you know, it's such a more delicate operating yes. thing than the stomach. So, and like when you're also saying that it, the, uh, the uh, nichrome or sorry, the, the nickel is heavier, I, I would think it's like a stick in a tornado that with the velocity of the people are inhaling that it's going to whisk up everything, it, even it's, if it's, it's heavier or not. It's possible, but we have to prove that with science. We have to prove Why? that with testing. Doesn't it just make sense that if you're if somebody's toking, you know, really hard on a uh, atomizer, well, that anything that's, that's that it's going to get sucked up right up. Why on earth? I mean, we're talking about very small weights. I mean, it's it's just right, but, it's just like a like but, a tornado. But here's the thing: is you you can't go in front of an FDA review panel. I mean, we can talk amongst ourselves all day till we're blue in the face and advocate to ourselves all day. But if I stand up in a courtroom and I make an explicit statement, the judge is going to ask me for data. And if I don't have that data, my point is irrelevant. It doesn't matter how logical it is. Right. But I just look at it as one is capable of that and the other one is not capable of that. And if the, if the micro, if nickel is fractionalization, what, what, what is this fragmentization thing that they call it? That's, that's just the metal breaking down, like gra it's graphitization is what they call it. What, can you explain what graphitization is? I, I, I've never heard that specific term. Maybe Jeremy has. Hello. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. I had to mute. Uh, now, graphitization. Uh, yeah, I'm not really sure that that's an actual term or not. That's just something that I remember from the specific. Yeah, I, I I looked at the whole specification for uh, NI200 and NI201, and it's talking yeah. about that the, the, this graphitization uh, where it, the metal is breaking down under heat, um, and so. Uh, if one if one wire does that and the other wire doesn't do that, I don't think you need to bother with a study. I don't think uh, that would be just wasted money on a study. I, I mean, I would I would agree in some senses. We can say for sure that titanium is biocompatible. It's inert. It is absolutely inert. 
but you know, can we say for sure that the breakdown of nickel into some you know phase two or phase five nickel derivative causes cancer? I, I mean, that's that's taking really broad leaps and bounds. Hey guys, just uh, uh, just one just one sec, guys. Uh, I know Jeremy um, has a has something to. I, he's got time constraints here, so uh, I don't think you have much more time to talk, right, Jeremy? Yeah, no, I gotta go put my son to bed. Okay, if if you can call, if you want to call back in after, that's fine. If not, you know, you, you could say uh, thank you for joining us tonight, and uh, uh, you can say you know, say goodbye. Absolutely, um, I, I will say that Ari has uh, he's he's pretty much convinced me to the validity of his tests. Um, I won't dispute the titanium wire, but the other manufacturers, when it comes to the 316 and the 317, 304, those things I do know. I'm a little out of my league with the titanium, I will admit. Um, yeah, I'll dispute them all day long, but uh, the fact that Ari's willing to go through these extreme lengths to prove and to make it as safe as possible, yeah, that's a win in my book, and I support that. Well, good. Excellent. I appreciate that. So, Absolutely. Uh, Thank you much, Jeremy. Uh, and Oh, go ahead, Ari. Thanks, Sorry. Guys. Have a great night. Yeah, take care. Um, yeah, you, you know, I gotta, I gotta say something, Ari, and I'm not, I'm not speaking for for Jeremy here, but when we were going through arranging this debate, which turned out to be much less of a debate, really, I think it's just you know everybody trying to learn from everybody, which is great. But when we were going through this, I gotta tell you this, Ari. You know, when when we were talking, and you know. You know, Jeremy painted this picture of a lot of the manufacturers are just, you know, buying spools and marking it up and not doing much else. I still believe that's true. And I got to be honest with you, when I was talking, you know, the, the, the relatively short chats that we had on Messenger when we, were, when we were talking on Facebook, when I was talking to you, I got a completely different, um, a completely different impression of you than I've gotten tonight. And by that, I mean... I, I was talking to you, and I don't know if you've noticed, but I, I was trying to get to stop talking to you as quickly as possible. You probably noticed that. Yeah, and that, I know. And that's because, like, whenever you started talking, I started saying, man, this guy sounds like he's totally full of shit. And then tonight you come on here, and I'm like, wow, this guy is, like, really, first of all, really polite. Not that you weren't polite before, but this guy's really polite. He's really knowledgeable. He has all the, he has all the stuff to back him up. You give a completely different perception, a completely different impression when you're just typing into a computer than you do on the phone. I, I believe all the things that you said, and I'm not a, I'm not a user of, of titanium, but I can tell you this, if I was at this point without, you, you know, based on what you said, I'd probably, shit, you know, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'd probably buy your shit if I was a titanium user. I probably would. Um, so maybe, cool. I, I don't know, maybe some of that, you know, has come from you're just, you're, you're, I think you're doing a good job, but you're in like a, unfortunately and this is through no fault of your own you're in you're you're not in bed with but you're in the same room that has a bunch of beds of people who i do believe are not doing anything other than buying big rolls repackaging and, and drastically marking up the uh, the price i i really do think you're you're um you're doing shit to to ensure safety um I, I, I give you a thumbs up for that. I'm I'm getting a completely different impression from you, and maybe that's part of the reason why Jeremy thought you were full of shit. I, so did I. You, you come off completely different on the air. Well, look. I mean, what did uh, what did Carl Sagan say? Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence, right? Sure. And and I think this is the big problem. 
in the vaping industry as a whole, and I'm certainly not bashing anyone. Someone can make a buck, and you know they can live the dream. <laughs> More power to them. We just don't run our company that way. I won't comment on any other wires. I have no idea. That's not my business. That's their business. But you know, coming from an engineering background and coming from a scientific background, if I went into an engineering review and I just sold hype, I'd be out of a job overnight. So I come from a background where you must prove things. It's, it's unacceptable to do anything else. So, I, I mean, I hope that comes through. And, I, you know, I agree. It I think is. There's a, lost, uh, there's a lot of inflection <laughs> and a lot of validity and sincerity lost in the medium of PMs on Facebook you don't really get a good feel for, uh, you know, where someone's coming from. Yeah, no, case in point. I was, uh, I believe I was wrong. Uh, if you have questions or comments, please call in at 347-308-8329. We have a caller in the 901 area code. Caller, welcome to the show. Hello, how are y'all doing? Good. Uh, Excellent. I actually, hey, Ari, uh, this is Scott. Hey, Scott. Uh, I, I actually do know Ari, uh, and, uh, I didn't want to call in until uh, you mentioned something about uh, him rubbing you the wrong way uh, through Messenger. Ari types at light speed. I can remember when I first uh, started interacting with him on uh, Hobo's group and talking with him. Uh, within five minutes of it, I felt like an idiot. I thought I knew something, and all of a sudden I didn't. And gradually, as time went on, it would be 10 minutes and 15 and 20 minutes. And I've since spent hours on GoToMeeting chat with other people that I've, you know, put in for support and asking questions from stupid, stupid, simple questions to extremely complex questions. And, uh, you know, Ari has always been there to help us and support us uh, vapors that use his wire. Um, I've seen chat up on dozens of different groups always there to help and support folks and uh russ i know i spoke with you for a moment uh in the lounge and uh i backed off um but that's kind of why i got a little bit the way i did no i don't mind i i, I don't mind if i if i did if i said something wrong i i, I want to be called out on it because i want to learn and and just to be clear ari didn't rub me the wrong way the best way i could say it is that when we were speaking on Facebook, Ari rubbed me as a salesman. When we're talking tonight, he rubs me as an engineer. Yes, yes. Uh, and, and maybe I misspoke whenever I... Maybe I'm, you misinterpreted what I meant by that. No, it's, mean, okay. Yeah, it's okay. Uh, he has done just such a great job supporting so many people out there. Um, and that's one reason why I would get defensive of him. Uh, defensive for him uh, because he's done so much for so many people. I've sat and watched through dozens and dozens and dozens of Facebook groups uh, him sit there and put up with um, some really silly questions and answer them. Uh, and he does it every day. And when you do something like that every day, we all know that it gets a little bit mundane and uh, the tendency for us to become smart asses at that point uh, elevates. Um, I really like the way that this show's kind of ended uh, with everybody kind of coming to terms with what's going on and finding out the reality of it, because I didn't know. I thought, like everybody else thinks, you know, is this wire just, you know, something I can go buy off a spool at Lowe's or not? I don't, you, you don't know that. Um, but in 
starting to vape this stuff, I have tried and reached out to other manufacturers. And I asked them, what, what's your PCR value for your wire? I don't know, they'll, and they'll give you a link to Steam Engine. I've got I've got six or seven emails in my inbox that have that say the same thing. See Steam Engine. Get your TFR and TCR you, values. You send an email to Ari or Facebook messaging, you get a CSV file in your Facebook Messenger attachment. You get zero point zero zero three four zero handed down to you. Um, and then another thing that a lot of folks don't know about Ari, uh, and I'm, I'm probably going to embarrass him a little bit. He's also a consultant for a lot of folks I'm not going to name, and he does help a lot of folks out. So throughout the vape industry, there's something that everybody's vaping probably right now at this very moment. He's probably had, he's probably talked to the manufacturer about helping with. Uh, so kudos to Ari uh, for this, and kudos, kudos to you guys for uh, putting on a good show here and giving him a chance to uh, to refute some of the claims that were made uh, in generality. Yeah, no, I always, uh, I, 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 no, I've learned a lot, and I, I, you know, I want as many different opinions as possible. That's how you learn. And um, Scott, I really appreciate you calling in. Thank you. Hey, thanks. Thanks for listening. Yeah, you too, sir. Um, Hey, Ari, just uh, as we do wind this down, um, Mm -hmm. the one thing, uh, now I don't know exactly what, obviously I know you sell the the titanium and e-liquids and stuff. Do you also sell, you know, other, you know, canthals, nickel, like like all the, you just sell the titanium? Just the titanium, just our own proprietary titanium. Uh, we don't venture off into anything else. We've considered other wires, but it's, you know, when you go through as much trouble in development and research it's and you land on at least what I consider the holy grail, it's kind of like, why even bother with anything else? And you think... Uh, no, and, we and, certainly do. And and uh, just just, uh, we, we, just, uh, just one second, and your position, if, if I remember correctly, why you think uh, titanium, when done with all the stuff you do to it, is the, is the Holy Grail is because it's the most inert metal for humans. It's the most inert. Okay, right. right. A- absolutely. Well, the, well, here's my question then, uh, and, and that makes the sense why, well, hey, we found it, here it is, this is what we're going to do, that makes a lot of sense. But let me just ask you, for the other things that are out there, like I, like, okay, let, let's start here, let's start with Jeremy's results. Now, Jeremy measured a bunch of canthals and stainless steels and, and, Nickels and all that, all that stuff. I'm sure you, I'm sure you, you saw all his numbers and whatnot. Um, Correct. Is it you're, without talking about any specific manufacturers? Do you think that his analysis of all of those different uh, metals is accurate? And by accurate, I mean is the stuff that he was testing in the boutique wire bag the same thing as as he was testing from you know ordering from Amazon? Well, I, I think it is, and it isn't. Um... I would have liked to touch more on the limitations of EDXRF testing, um, hydrogen content and hydrogen solubility, and all of these materials are extremely important. Uh, in fact, if anyone wants to do some very, uh, very cool personal quick research on it, just go to YouTube and look up the uh, uh, how it's made. I don't know if you remember that series, uh, how it's made, but there's a very interesting uh, little segment on how stainless steel is made. And they go into great detail in a very approachable uh, set of terms about why hydrogen is extremely important and, you know, what kind of additives are put into stainless steel to mitigate hydrogen solubility. So, uh, you know, I, I think that 
I think it's a 50-50 thing. I think that, you know, half of Jeremy's uh, testing is, and again, I don't really, it's hard for me to say anything about it when now he's not here to defend himself. So I think half of it's good. I think half of it makes sense. Uh, but I think that there's a whole other facet to it that's missing. Well, the the, um, the question is actually less about the testing um, than, you know, do you really think that there, you know, to, to the best of your knowledge, are there other manufacturers who are selling brand XYZ of, you know, super wire that's really just Canthal or super wire that's really just stainless steel? Do you think that they're going through these things that you're going through to clean the wire? Or, or oh. is that even, is that necessary for Canthal? Is that necessary for stainless steel? I, I believe it's necessary for all wires. Uh, mm. I think that the FDA will make this a requirement. Mm. And I don't know that it is, quote-unquote, legitimately necessary. Um, you know, is it really necessary to call a, uh, you know, a battery pack a tobacco product? It seems kind of absurd. So, you know, is it necessary in the sense of being scientific fact and a factor in fighting the FDA? Yes. Is it necessary for clinical safety medical safety, human health? Well, I mean, to be an objective observer, to be a real scientist, I can't say yes or no. I have to say that, you know, there is much more testing that needs to be done to determine that. Hmm. So, uh, well, do I believe that some... Go ahead, sorry. So, I, here's, well, here's another question. I understand that you believe that, you know, titanium is the way to go because it's at least inert, but given that you got, I mean, you got all these machines and stuff that can clean titanium, I assume the process would be fairly similar to clean canthal and stainless steel. Given that people use and like these metals, why not do it for those two? Correct. Why not do it? Well, um, dirty little secret, we actually do. (laughs) So uh, I'm actually contracting with uh, someone else this coming week to uh, clean and process and package their stainless wire. So definitely, I think everyone should be doing this. Is anyone else doing it right now? Absolutely not. We developed this process from scratch at massive expense. Uh, is well, it something I would like to wire? offer? Go ahead. Sorry. Isn't, isn't VapoWire and Temec, uh, you know, the, the main company, isn't VapoWire cleaning the same way you are? No, absolutely not. No one is cleaning the way we are. We, we developed this process from scratch with 3M and Crest. Now, but are they are, cleaning are they... in... Yeah, aren't they just cleaning it, though? Isn't that something that they are doing because it's designed for vaping, and even though they manufacture for everybody that, that they are if, cleaning it? If they can produce a hydrocarbon reporting test uh, proving you know, their graphene dioxide ranges, then I would be certainly willing to believe that. Uh, but until anyone provides some testing and some microscope photos, uh, it's kind of up in the air. It's hard to say yes or no. It seemed like they were just talking about removing the oils, and that was that was the big thing that they were doing is cleaning it that way. Yeah, and I think that there's, um, you know, I've heard the argument, well, then why not just take a cotton swab and some alcohol and wipe your wire down? Well, that's not how it works. You're not actually breaking down hydrocarbons when you do that. You're basically just smearing the crap all over the wire. Now, yeah, do you remove a little bit of the surface oxidation? Absolutely. But there's no way that isopropanol, and a uh, cotton swab is going to remove caked-on graphene dioxide. That's actually burned into the surface of the wire. That's a very, very strong bond. Uh, last question is, how can I uh, – I, I am a low-watt vapor, and I, I, I don't want to use temperature control. I don't want to use temperature control. So how can I vape titanium in the way that I'm normally vaping? Can I even do it? Absolutely. Just do not exceed 900 degrees Celsius. 
but so you have to you have to vape always titanium with temperature control. No, no, absolutely not. And in fact, think of temperature control this way: all temperature control is doing is taking your finger off the fire button. Right. Oh. Yeah, it, it's it, it's modulating on and off. Yeah, I agree. But uh, but for for me to vape uh, at, at low watts. I don't think I can do it with titanium. Well, let's at let's all. well let's let's let, well, well hold on. Let's let's be a little more specific. Why don't you tell Ed? Why don't you tell Ari exactly what hardware you're using? Oh, all right. I, I'm I'm real. I'm I'm basically using a fancy ego. I'm using a Nautilus Mini uh, at six and a half watts, and so it's I'm using uh, pretty much eighty pg, maybe seventy pg uh, liquid. Uh, that setup would never get hot enough to produce any titanium dioxide. Six watts will never get the titanium up past 900 degrees Celsius. Uh, and also, here's the thing. Fire. I, I can't fire. I, I'm not aware of oh. fire uh, unless I'm using temperature control because the, the resistance is so Correct. Low. Correct. No, no, I, I apologize. I misunderstood your question. So what you're saying is that it's a resistivity factor, not a factor of, uh, you know, a dioxide component or anything like that. Yeah, th that is a problem. Um, you know, if your device right. can't fire a uh, low threshold, let's call it anything below 0.2 ohms, and obviously if your coil is below two, uh, 0.2 ohms, that's a problem. But one way around yeah. that yeah. is to obviously wrap a larger coil and use a thinner diameter of wire. Right. All right. Thanks. Thanks, Ed. Oh, and, and uh, other thing is that uh, this show I will probably listen to again. There's been so much good information from from Jeremy and Ari both, uh, and Ari, I'll probably reach out to you later. But but thanks a lot for doing the show. No, thanks for calling thanks in. I appreciate it. No, you know yeah, anyone anyone is welcome at any time to contact me via Facebook. I support my products 100. percent I'm available for you guys day and night. Yeah, seems so. Uh, you know. I've been doing these shows for over five years now, Ari, and usually I have a pretty good idea of how they're going to go. Um, what I thought this was going to be was, you know, my initial impression of you was not very favorable, and that was a mistake that I made. Well, I, I think it's a mistake. I could be wrong, you know, but my impression of you now is uh, actually quite quite high. I, quite high. I have a, a high opinion of you. But the way I thought that this was going to be going in was going to be a snake oil salesman arguing and a fight breaking out between you and and jeremy uh who i still i i still think that jeremy knows his stuff uh but we all know different amounts of different things so i think he knows a lot of stuff about about a lot of things and i think he uncovered um quite a bit of good data on what i uh, eventually what, what i think are just companies just buying big spools cutting them down selling them and and doing it an enormous markup at, and at the same time saying that their wire is something is that it is it is not i i think that a lot of the manufacturers that he picked out i think he hit the nail on the head i don't think that that's what you're doing i do think that you're doing all this stuff and, it, and clearly you have a, a wealth of knowledge on this stuff and um like i said I, I couldn't have imagined this going any differently and i'm really really impressed in what you're doing excellent thank you i appreciate it yeah no hey um go ahead any uh, you know, closing remarks you're, you've got the floor well, yeah, yeah. I think to answer your, your question on Canthal, sure. um, and that's a very valid point, um, and we can say this for sure about Canthal. Canthal is produced by the Sandvik Corporation. It's produced under license. There is no special Canthal. There is one manufacturer of Canthal on the globe, and that is it. It's the Sandvik Corporation. They own the license to that. Canthal is not a kind of wire. It's a brand name. 
It's basically ferritic alumina chromium wire. It's iron, aluminum, and chromium. And they own the you know, licensing rights uh, to produce that specific blend and brand it as Canthal A1. So if someone is reselling you Canthal A1, um, they are certainly not making it. It is certainly not customized. In fact, you wouldn't want it to be customized. That's what you're paying for when you pay for the name Canthal A1. Well, yeah, but th these but companies, I, I these, think... these companies aren't. I don't think most of them are saying, "Hey, this is a special Canthal." They're just saying, you know, it's a, a weird brand name, and they don't tell you what it is. But when you measure it, it it Correct. it's without a reason, without a doubt, it is Canthal. You know that, and that's a problem. And and maybe it's a problem. And I think to play devil's advocate, and let's be fair to them, there is a massive, massive cost in respooling wire. So the Canthal Corporation is not going to sell you a hundred foot spool. You basically buy it by the kilogram, and you're buying a you know 50 kilo minimum. That's a huge, huge bundle of wire that costs many thousands of dollars, and there is a hell of a lot of labor involved in respooling that onto smaller spools and then packaging it. Now, is that labor worth an 800% markup? Uh, I don't know. That's I guess up to the person opening their wallet. But to be fair, there's also a chain of distribution. I mean, the retailer has to get their cut. The wholesaler has to get their cut. Uh, you know, I wish I could get uh, our full retail price for a pack of wire, but, uh, you know, we barely make a buck a pack. So part of this is market-driven. I think it's, you know, you, you could apply it to a bottle of Gatorade. A bottle of Gatorade is not actually worth $3.15. I mean, I'm sure 7-Eleven buys it for a buck, yeah. but they have overhead as well. No, good point. All right, I got one more question for you. And Ed began to go into this. I, I just want to... Uh, take it one step further. So there's a vapor out there listening now, and uh, they're convinced, okay, hey, listen, sounds good. Titanium is the most inert thing. Maybe I should maybe I should use that just, just to be safe. Okay, fine. So they make that decision. Now they've got, you know, gear like it. They don't have, a, you know, like a, a DNA 200 or any of the, any of the mods that are uh, uh, supposed to work with temperature control and all that. Now you said before that, you can use other stuff to vape with titanium wire, but it seems like it's going to be it seems like it's going to be kind of a burden if they're just using really basic gear. To that vapor who is using really really basic stuff and wants to get into using titanium wire, what could you recommend as like a a, a very cost effective device that would be a good thing for them to get in to to get to to start using titanium wire? Perfect. And and we test literally everything we can get our hands on. And I was very impressed with the iStick Pico uh, and Milo 3 tank. Uh, you can buy that combination for roughly $40, $45 retail. You just have to add a battery. That has full temperature control capability. Uh, that can read extremely low loads, I believe down to 0.09 ohms. Um, good performance, good safety, good build quality. Not the prettiest thing in the world, but it definitely works. So if you want to get into it, you want to, you know, test the waters, the temperature control, et cetera, et cetera. There's many, many devices out there for a reasonable price that can at least get you uh, your, your toe in the pool. Um, are they going to be the absolute in accuracy? Are they going to be the absolute in performance? No. But, you know, maybe then we're at a point of splitting hairs. Well, if, if you don't mind. They will work. Well, if you don't mind, uh, just as I, I wrap up the show and before you shut off your computer. 90 seconds. And before we run out of time on the phone lines. Uh, if you could just send me a, a couple links so I can put it in the replay notes because people, just to save people a couple minutes from Googling, maybe if you have a, a link handy of a good place to buy that, maybe you could just 
send that to me on Facebook and I'll put it in the replay notes if that's all right with you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You want me to do that after we get off the air? Yeah, sure. Which will be now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's no problem. I can compile a list for you. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't have to be extensive. Just a couple couple choices. That would be really great. I really appreciate that. And thank you so much. You've really impressed me 60 tonight. Sixty seconds. Um, thank awesome. you so. Thanks, th Russ. I appreciate the time. Thank you so much, Ari. Um, there he goes, everybody. What a what an interesting show. That that is really uh not what I expected at all. I am very pleased with that. Um, and shit. What do you know? I learned something. I think.